Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Dr. Tim Marsh. He's a professor at Smith University in the United Kingdom. Uh, he brought uh, in the 1990s behavioral and safety culture themes uh, to Europe, has written many books. Uh, one of his top sellers was around talking safety. And coming up in the autumn, uh, we'll have a new book that he'll be publishing about talking health and safety, which is really a key topic for the conversation we have today. So, Tim. Welcome to the show. Really excited to have you with me. Uh, thank you for having me, Eric. So let's start maybe first about uh, yourself and how you got into this broad field of, of safety and safety culture. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I did a, after I got a doctorate in, in psychology, um, I worked with the UK MOD and looking at recruit suicidal behaviors in, in, in young army recruits. Mm -hmm. uh, while, I, while I finished that uh, at the university, I was at Manchester University, they just started looking at behavioral safety techniques uh, pioneered in America by the likes of uh, uh, Tom Krause, BST and so on. And they were wondering if they might work in Europe. And, and the first European research project was, was at my university and uh, a colleague um, had uh, started off that project but had left and they were looking for somebody to step in just for a couple of months to, to to run the project while they found somebody suitable. Mm -hmm. um, and I just finished with the army and they thought that I might, it was all based on construction sites. Right. Uh, and they thought that maybe somebody who'd worked with squaddies uh, <laughs> in the army might uh, be able to go to a construction site and not get eaten. So <laughs> they asked me if I'd step in and, and I, I, I found it so enjoyable and interesting. Uh, I never left. Interesting. So you, you've done a lot of work linking mental health to safety outcomes. And I think this is a, a very important topic that a lot of people talk about mental health, touch briefly in terms of the links to the safety, but don't draw the full full linkage. Tell me a little bit about some of the work you've done there and some of the research in this space. Yeah, sure. Um, a, a, lot, you know, a, a lot of work has been done in mental health recently, particularly in places like the UK, um, because we're aware of the fact that, for, for example, for every person we lose to an industrial accident, Mm -hmm. um, we will have 35 people uh, of working age kill themselves. You know, it's mm -hmm. something like 5,000 plays about 150 in the UK. Uh, those, those are the figures. So we've been doing a lot of work in that field uh, anyway, be because, mm -hmm. of course, it's tremendously inconvenient and, and, and morally awful to, to have people kill themselves. And, and, you know, we spend half our waking hours in work. So, so clearly what happens in work is, is relevant. Um, yeah. But uh, recently, some of our bigger clients, there's a very large uh, insurance company, QBE, asked me to look into the link between mental, mental health and safety directly. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, when, when you look at it, the, the research is inconclusive, uh, controversial. It's incredibly difficult to, to tease out what's going on and why. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you know your Kinevin thinking, it's incredibly complex. This is 
you know, it's not complicated. It's infinitely complex. You know, so, so for example, um, people who are really struggling, a lot of people who are really struggling have learned that the first thing they can do is to be nice to other people and be very pro-social. It makes them feel better. So right. it, it isn't a, a simple linear relationship. Uh, and, and but but anyway, the three three. So you know, you've got problems with uh, reporting. You've got problems mm-hmm. with people feeling they're going to be scapegoated. You've got problems with confidentiality. Then you've got problems with medication, self medication, all that. But but when you when you look into it, the, as best we can tell, there are three factors that directly relink somebody having a bad day in work, somebody who's struggling, mm-hmm. uh, and and, an, and a propensity to have an accident. And, and those three things are that the, the first thing is if you're struggling, you're much more likely to be situationally aware. You're, you're distracted by other factors, thoughts, uh, emotions, and right. you're less situationally aware. So you're less likely to be aware of the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know that situational awareness is something we really want uh, if we were to avoid accidents. The second thing, of course, is if you know your, your Heinrich's triangle, you know, we all know that the more good work you do at the bottom of the triangle, the smaller the top of the triangle. Of course. You get the luck, yep. you get the luck that you deserve. Not every day. There are not, no guarantees either way. But but as a rule, you do. Um, well, the trouble with with people who are struggling is they tend to be more fatalistic, of course. Mm. And and if you're fatalistic, you're much less likely to be proactively working the bottom of the triangle and and generating your own luck. And and, and the third factor is, of course, people who are struggling can be grumpy. They can create risk around themselves, so they less likely to uh, stop and and challenge somebody in an effective way. Uh, much more likely to walk past uh, situations with, with saying nothing. You know, like bugger them is you know as 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 they go past much more likely to be short with other people um mm-hmm. and have ineffective communications or worse than that destructive communications where they're actually awkward difficult uh, unreasonable and, and generate problems problems in others so for those three factors there does seem to be a direct relationship between that mindset of, of you know, I mean, eighty-five percent of all mental health issues are depression or anxiety. That there's, sure. there's there's serious stuff, but eighty-five percent. I think the cost of the American economy has been estimated at two trillion a year, mm-hmm. um, which is a which is a big huge, number, huge number. Uh, <laughs> and that is that is that is down to the eighty-five percent that is depression or anxiety. And, and depression and anxiety, in essence, uh, depression is simply spending time thinking about something that's already happened in a negative way regret is, mm-hmm. is the obvious one you know bitterness and so on anxiety really is just spending a lot of time thinking about something that hasn't happened yet in a negative way so fear uh, and anxiety and so on um, mm-hmm. and, and all that depression and anxiety are uh, we all do that we, we all have those thoughts every day of course we do right. but but if we have them to such an extent that it gets in the way then it becomes a problem so sure uh, that's that, that, that that's all it is and, and people who are having too many ne- past focus negative thoughts or future focus negative thoughts that it actually gets in the way are just more likely through those three factors to have problems at work uh i i, I absolutely I mean, it's, it's quite controversial but i think that is so self-evidently obvious it's mm-hmm. untrue it, it, it makes a lot of sense and i think a lot of people are touching on it you, you draw the direct linkage between those themes the, the challenge is a lot of organizations look at it separately. So HR may be looking at <clears throat> mental health, well-being, 
um, and safety is looking at safety outcomes. What are some of the things that organizations or uh, safety leaders can do to, to, to really address this part of safety? Uh, yes, I think that the, the, the number one thing safety leaders can do, first of all, is to be aware of it, not be afraid of it. Uh, that there's all sorts of concerns that if you start talking about these things, you're, you're impacting on people's private lives. It's totally un, sure. uh, in a, inappropriate. Um, uh, you know, people will then not talk about anything. You know, and you've got that classic thing where they, they, it's been estimated that something like 85% of days taken off with bad backs are actually people taking days off because they're struggling. You know, if you have a bad back and you've got a positive mindset, I, I, I quote Dame Carol Black over here in the UK on that. She's our, our, our leader of all these things. Um, and, you know, if you've got a bad back and you're in a good place, you enjoy your work. I enjoy my work. Sure. I used to play a huge amount of golf when I was a young man. I've got a terrible bad back, like every everybody who played golf before they were fully developed has. <laughs> I, I just do stretching exercises. I, I, I just stand up while I stretch. Um, but so so there 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 is that link and that and that and that controversy. But I think the number the number so don't be afraid of it. It's just what it is. Mm. Um, but I think the number one thing that that safety can do is to talk to occupational health and HR. Uh, I, I think that should be a key metric. How well do HR get on with safety? I think is really important point. And what about organisations that aren't really addressing mental health well being fully? Uh, because obviously this. This is saying you're you're more likely to have an accident if you're not addressing this in your workplace. Um, what are some of the tactics that they should be bringing to the forefront to, to advance the need? Uh, they, they they should be looking at it. You know, it's it's you know we we in the UK have been quoting figures. You know, one person in five is struggling on any given day. Mm -hmm. Some people say no, it's it's one in eight. Nobody pushes back on sure. one in ten. You know, so if you've got two thousand employees out there. Um, constructing a bridge or a hospital or or, or laying a road or, or whatever they're doing, um, that's um, as a minimum, you've got 2,000 staff, you've got 200 mm -hmm. people who are struggling. Now, you've got two choices. One is you can try and analyse the extent and, and the causes and what you can do to help, or you can just cross your fingers. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we we know from the world of safety that crossing your fingers <laughs> and hoping it and hoping it goes away is not a good tactic. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily proved entirely effective over the years. <laughs> nope. I think hope is not a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a it's a tactic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so one of the things when when you're talking about uh, mental health well-being, it links to a lot of themes as well from a leadership standpoint uh, that that safety leaders have talked about. So for example, active care to me uh, is also about if I know who's on my team, I demonstrate care, maybe I'll, I'm more likely to notice a difference. Today, Tim showed up and, and maybe you're, you're, you're not as, as jovial as usual, you look or something looks different. What, what's your thought in terms of uh, active care, but other soft skills that, that could be really key from a supervisor and leadership standpoint? Well, I mean, the, the, the obvious thing, of course, is, you know, a lot of companies over here in the UK, Shell, uh, oil and gas, um, have a very explicit culture of care. They, they promote an explicit mm. culture of care. And, and that's really just a, a person focus, just to, to talk to people yeah. and, and and try and notice them. Um, so it, it's a dialogue piece, uh, very much reflected in the whole safety differently uh, mm -hmm. thrust. Uh, you know, the absolute essence of safety differently, which has had such an impact around the world, of course, is, you know, uh, you're the solution as a worker, not the problem. Right. So, 
you know, we want you to be safe and productive. You want to be safe and productive. What do you need? What do you need mm-hmm. from me? Um, and, and exactly the same principle applies to to men- mental health and and individual well-being. You know, so so for example, I I, I need more flexibility, or mm-hmm. I don't have enough control, or I have too much control. You know, and there's a, there's a thing called War's uh, vitamin model of, of mental health at work, a very influential piece academically decades ago, just been rediscovered really as, as we all turn towards it more or more in a more commercial way recently. And so control is, is, is a classic of the nine. He's got nine factors. But, you know, what he says is you have to have the right level for the for the right person. So if you're the sort of self-employed person, who, who can only really function as self-employed because otherwise you're unemployable. You need mm-hmm. a high level of control. Give give the level of control while somebody like myself who's self-employed, you know, owns my own company. Mm-hmm. Give, give give that level of control to a lot of people and they'd never sleep. Right. You know, so it's about understanding, you know, and of course, when we're talking COVID, uh, a mm-hmm. really good example is, you know, a lot of people say, I love working from home. I've got children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, I hate working from home. I've got children. <laughs> and, and of course, the uh, that, that could be the same person on the same morning. Right. So so the 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 theme of investing in soft skills uh, for frontline supervision seems like a very important one uh, and probably an area where HR and 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 the safety teams can work together as well to, to upscale. Any, any thoughts on, on, on that part? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and over the years, we've done thousands of safety culture surveys. And, and the, one, the one thing that always comes out is the soft skills or, you know, of, of your frontline supervisors and managers could be up, upgraded. Absolutely mm-hmm. every single time, you know. So, so another of War's vitamin models is interpersonal contact, of course. And, and what you find is some people like a little. You know, they're mm-hmm. quite solitary. They don't really need people very much. Some people like a lot. But sure. the, the one thing is an absolute constant is uh, they want to have the right level of it and they want it to be good quality. Mm-hmm. So if, if if you've got somebody who isn't particularly interpersonally skilled, that's a problem for everything uh, and always will be. That's that's great. Thank you. And, and another theme as well is, is the element, I know when we talked before, the theme of just culture and and mm-hmm. how does that play into um, safety, but also the element from from a mental health standpoint? Uh, well, just culture. Uh, now, now you're talking some deep and serious stuff that goes back millions <laughs> of years. You know, yeah. um, they they do say that there are two two factors that seem to distinguish the most successful societies and species, uh, for that matter. Uh, one is that they have a learning focus. You know, um, some some multi multi million selling books are like is it Carol Dweck's uh, mindset? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to be a psychologically safe organization um, and and so on uh, is is all about trust and it's all about learning. So and the two things go hand in hand. You know, so so for me, the organizations that are that are best, they will have hit diminishing returns with systems, procedures, compliance, regulations, rules, training. They'll have pretty much hit diminishing returns with that. But then there are two themes. The first one is learning. When things go wrong, why have they gone wrong? What can we do about it? Um, sure. Brilliantly covered by a book by a guy called Matthew Said called Black Box Thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you if your listeners I promise you, if you read Black Box Thinking and you don't think it's fantastic, I'll come over and wash your car for you on a Sunday, <laughs> whatever you are. Right? Um, and, and, and the second one, of course, is is trust. 
Um, you know, and there's a lot of studies that suggest that uh, societies that have higher levels of trust flourish better than societies that have a culture of low trust. I think the classic mm. example is Italy. Um, they, they studied Italy and they said, why is the north of Italy doing so well compared to the south? And the correlation that seemed to be strongest was that they have a culture of non-trust in the south and a culture of trust mm. in the north. Um, so uh, you know, ob obviously it, it gets complex again because uh, the trouble with uh, societies that default to trust, well, the good thing about societies that default to trust is that you, you set up more virtuous than vicious circles and you flourish. You know, because sure. um, it, it's better it's better to have a false negative than a false positive. You know? um, the downside, of course, is that cults and con men take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, to, to quote, I, I did an article for um, uh, a magazine the other day on a, a book came out called How to Think Like a Spy by Britain's Leading Spy, just retired. And okay. I thought the, li the line in the book that just absolutely resonated with me is he said this uh, same thing: trust. You have to be, you have to go from a premise of trust that's best for everybody, and normally it works. But there will be people who try and take advantage of you. Sure. So uh, trust everybody, verify everything. Trust everybody, verify everything. Trust, uh, trust everybody, but verify everything. Yeah. But verify everything. Uh, interesting. So uh, <laughs> on that. Uh, topic i think your your book coming up fairly soon or talking health and safety can you give our listeners a bit of a preview of some of the themes that you'll be exploring within that book this episode of the safety guru podcast is brought to you by propolo consulting the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm whether you are looking to assess your safety culture develop strategies to level up your safety performance introduce human performance capabilities re-energize your bbs program enhance supervisory safety capabilities or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. Yeah, sure. Um, in, in the original Talking Safety, it was, it was you know, how to have a, a world-class safety conversation was the subtitle. Mm. And the idea was, of course, to come at it from a just culture perspective. Mm. So with the mindset and assumption that if something has gone wrong or is about to go wrong, there is a reason for it that makes sense to the person involved. And to have that conversation as proactively as possible, not wait for something to go wrong and then you default to blame um, and, and finger pointing, but, but to do it proactively. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so so that, 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 you know, it's just all introduce yourself, ask why curiously, not aggressively. There's <laughs> since, uh, other questions, you know, based on things like temptation analysis. Is there anything slow, inconvenient or uncomfortable about doing this job safely? Because we know for a fact if there is, some people will be tempted to cut corners mm -hmm. uh, and then some people will cut corners. Um, it's just a, a head count from then on. And the bottom of Heinrich's famous triangle fills up and sooner or later somebody gets hurt. Sure. Um, so, so that that's that was the the, the basic model, uh, and then of course when you find out if you do need to to address the individual, for example, because there is a temptation, but you can't do anything about it because you start you know you're pulling down the factory next year, and the mm -hmm. cost of making the changes you need is just prohibitive. Uh, then get into coaching, um, get into coaching modes rather than telling somebody you you use data, you use illustration, and. and praise rather than criticism and so on and, and and use all those techniques and then you say thank you uh, and you go and and i think the, the absolute essence of of talking health and safety 
is mm-hmm. that you know in, in the first book we said look you know introduce yourself ask people how they are uh, and then crack on um obviously when you ask people how they are especially in in, in europe where we're, we're all very stuffing a bit um <laughs> you know you just get I'm, I'm fine thank you i think you get that pretty much everywhere <laughs> yeah especially in europe of course um and, and so, yeah, I think the essence of, of talking health and safety is as well as going through mental health first aid training and, mm-hmm. you know, th- signs to look out for, you know, talkative ones that have gone quiet, quiet ones that have gone talkative, smart ones that have gone scruffy, all that sort of stuff. And, and all those top tips about, about uh, mental health. Um, it, it's just to ask the question at the end of the conversation, when you've developed some rapport, when, when when you've had a decent conversation and you've worked together a bit, just to revisit that simple opening gambit of, and, and how are you? Mm-hmm. Only this time um, properly and, and mean it. As, as opposed to just, uh, I'm okay, expecting an answer to this, I'm okay, thank you. Um, and, and that really, I think, is the essence of a culture of care. If you if you listen to people mm-hmm. and, and, and know who they are, um, they're much more likely to talk to you. I'll give you a case study, sure. if you like. I've got a very large yeah. client. They, they managed to switch off a major airport because an engineer made a mistake. And they wanted a, a human error project that made that less likely mm-hmm. to happen in the future. Um, and I was talking, sorry, they can't fall down the stairs, Tim, or they can't do this, you know. You can't. So, well, I wouldn't worry about them falling down the stairs. You know, you do realise they're 35 times more likely to throw themselves down the mm. stairs. And and if if they've had a really bad day, they run them up with an axe for half an hour while you're trying to get into the secure, uh, secure uh, factory, you've got a real problem. Sure. And, and they say, well, do any of our workers like that? So, well, certainly 10% will be having a bad day, you know, maybe as much as 20%. But that I just I just spoke to a guy, for example, um, who has just got divorced, is living mm-hmm. on a friend's couch, is 50 years old, but is drinking as much as he did when he was a student um, and is really close to the edge. And, mm-hmm. and the, M- the MD said, well, how do you know that? I, saw him. I, I was chatting to him and I said, how are you? And he said, oh, all right. And I said, oh, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Are you all right? And he said, well, what, why did he talk to you? So I suspect I'm the first person who's ever asked him if he was all right. <laughs> he wanted to talk to somebody, so he talked to me. So, Eric, the, the essence of, of a caring culture, a culture of care, I think, is really just listening. Um, it, it's, it, if you ask the question, are you all right? And somebody says, yeah, I'm fine, yeah. Oh, good, great. And, uh, <laughs> and you crack on. That's that's not going to get us very far. Mm. But if you genuinely listen to the answer and hold their gaze and look at them, and, and obviously the trick is to genuinely care, not pretend you're caring, but actually care, they they will talk to you. Nine times eight of ten, right. they, they will open up and they will talk to you. And, and then you can have a grown-up adult conversation about the fact that 10% minimum of your workforce are having a bad day and could use somebody to talk to. We could all use somebody to talk to. One of the things that we've been doing here with, with my company is, as I said, taking a genuinely holistic approach to to the whole human error piece. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what causes the human error, but because it'll be multifaceted. And one of the things that we're sure. already familiar with, of course, is fatigue. You know, somebody who is very mm-hmm. tired, they've been up for 18 hours, uh, they've done a split shift or whatever, and they haven't quite recovered. You know, you've got the same physiology as somebody who's drunk. Um, and of right. course, fatigue and mental health uh, to 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 parts of a a pair of gloves. Really, you know, if you're if you're tired, 
you're having a bad day. It's very difficult to have a good day when you're really tired. Every day is a better day if you're bright and alert. <laughs> um, and likewise, you know, if you if you're stressed, you don't sleep very well. The whole thing becomes a vicious circle. So, absolutely incorporating fatigue management. So, you, a lot of companies will have a fatigue management process because they're aware of the fact that they don't want their workers out there drunk in inverted commas. Thank you ever so much. But they might not uh, have anything in that fatigue management that, that does any sort of monitoring or proactive work about mental health, but they should. The two things that go together hand in glove. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a really important point. You know, people simply do not make mistakes very often because they can't be bothered or because they're stupid. Of course, both those things are true a lot, <laughs> but but the majority of <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. But on the majority of occasions, that's not true. They're good people doing their best, and they make mistakes for a variety of interlinked reasons. Of often, you know, being uh, stressed and preoccupied by by issues about the past or the future, being tired, they're often front and centre in that stupid accident in inverted commas where somebody just does something daft or doesn't see something, um, or drops something, or presses the wrong button, or falls over something or drives into something, or reverses into something, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. or doesn't sling something properly. All those accidents, you know, um, you start start with mental health fatigue uh, rather sure. than human error. You know, as, as Sidney Decker says, human error is never mm -hmm. the end point of any investigation. It has to be the start point. And, and mental health yeah. is often... I don't mean you're crazy, uh, you have uh, schizophrenia, hey, yeah. bipolar. I mean, you're just a bit depressed or you're really very anxious. Um, often that's sure. the start. That, that, that is a, a, an important causal element of the equation. Yeah, and I really appreciate the work that you're doing uh, in terms of the research, in terms of bringing the topic of conversation, linking those themes. I think it's incredibly important. So. I really appreciate the work that you're doing and all the, the consulting that you're doing with a lot of organizations to bring the topic about and address the broader theme of safety culture. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, a lot of fun, actually. It's it's um, working in no, but working in such an important field. You know, it, it's it's not yeah. uh, it's not a, it's not a niche. You know, you, you you can't just find everybody who admits that they're struggling and sack them. That's about twenty percent of your workforce. So that's that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, Doing some some mainstream work that really brings good psychology front and center in important fields is is obviously fantastic for anybody who like myself considers himself a psychologist. So. Excellent. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us uh, today uh, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to your upcoming book around talking health and safety. Oh, thank thank you, Eric. Thank you ever so much thank for having you. me. I've really enjoyed myself. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.